Good morning again. It's uh, already been mentioned, but it's good to see everyone out, um, especially the visitors. You are our honored guests, and we're glad to have you. When I came up the steps this morning, Cody and Brandon met me and said, are you nervous? And I said, well, not really. And they said, well, there's like six carloads of visitors got out, and I was like, <laughs> whatever. And then I stepped through, and I was like, no, they're serious. They're serious. <laughs> So then I did get a little bit nervous, but it's uh, it's good to see everyone out. Um, I ask that you follow along with the things that we talk about this morning and, and prove them to be truth, and uh, let's apply them to our lives. Uh, if you're visiting, you have any questions of anything we do, please get with me or any of the men. We'd be glad to sit down and to study about the things of, of why we do our, the things that we do. Uh, this morning... We're going to be talking about a, uh, a study of prayer. If you want to, you can go ahead and open to Philippians chapter 4. That'll be the first uh, verses that we actually look at together. But, you know, when you think of a, a study of prayer, you know, a, a lot of things come to mind. Uh, you know, there's the importance of prayer in our life. Why we pray and, you know, what reasons and the, the topic of, of how to pray. You know, the proper way to pray to God. And then you talk about uh, things that may hinder our prayers. Paul Ford, uh, a couple quarters ago, led a whole class on, on prayer life. And, you know, all those things are important. And, you know, the, the thought of how our prayer life gets bogged down and routine and how, you know, praying becomes kind of, you know, just... Uh, a need to thing instead of a, a you know praying in times of hardship and not in times of blessing and you know our prayer life can get kind of kind of messed up and you know all those things are, are reasons to to study prayer and then uh, the example from Christ that we have of his prayer life and you know the reasons he prayed and how he prayed and the sincerity that he prayed with and you know we could take a a lesson on each one of these things, and you know the example from Christ, and you know I think of Luke 22 and 44 when you know our prayer life gets kind of nonchalant and we don't take it maybe as sincere. And you look at that verse where it said Jesus prayed more earnestly and his sweat turned to blood. You think of a prayer like that, and then the fact that Christ, you know, the sincerity of his prayers and how often he prayed, and then you look at me as a human and think. It's my prayer life at that point. And we could talk about, you know, just numerous things of prayer, but none of those are what I want to talk about this morning. What I want to talk about this morning is what happens after the Amen. Uh, before we uh, do that, real quick, let's talk about uh, what Amen means. It is a First century practice, we find it in the New Testament uh, several times. There's a couple there, Deuteronomy 27, 15 through 26, Nehemiah 5 and 13. In the New Testament, we find 1 Corinthians 14 and 16. The assembly there at the end, you know, said amen. So, you know, what, what does amen really mean? It means so be it or let it be done. So you got an individual as Danny just prayed and the things he prayed for, and at the end we say amen, the men come together and you know should say amen if they agree with the prayer. And what does that mean? It means let these things come to be true. Let these things happen. That's what the, the amen means. 
Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6 and 7 there, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a blessing it is to be able to go to God in prayer and to, you know, leave our cares, our troubles, our heartaches, things on our mind, all of our requests and lay them at the feet of a a true and living God. That is a a great blessing. There's two parts that need to be played out in successful prayer life. First part being God's. God's part will always be carried out, no doubt about it. We read verses that tell us that, you know, God is on time, He's in time, He's every time. You know, God's part will never fail. Then there's a second part, and that's where the lesson is today, and that's where the trouble comes in. Think about uh, Saturday coming up. It's going to be a, I don't know what the weather is, I'm just saying. It's going to be a pretty Saturday. So I get a list of stuff that I want to be accomplished. I want the yard to get mowed. I want the weeding to be done, the shrubs to be cut, uh, the house to be washed. And uh, Alicia's probably got a list just like that for me to do for real, but you, you put all this stuff down and, you know, the weather's going to be pretty. you got all the tools to do it with. Saturday morning rolls around. You wake up. You fix a big bowl of, you know, fruity pebbles. And you sit down in the recliner. And you start watching cartoon. And you just sit there for hours. And, you know, maybe it's a Scooby-Doo marathon. And you sit there and you just keep watching Scooby-Doo. And that night you look and you look at your list and it's like, you know, What's happened? Nothing got done. Why? Because there was no effort put into it. That's kind of how our prayer life is. We go to the Lord and request all these things and we say amen and then it's like we're just going to sit there and wait for this stuff to happen. And that's not how it's supposed to be. There's two parts to prayer. There's God's part and then there's our part. We have to do something to get these things done. We can't just sit back and wait and say, you know, God, I want, I need this to happen. I want this to happen and let this happen and then amen and then sit in the recliner and wait. Because what's going to happen is nothing. There's two senses of an active prayer life. One being that we pray daily, that it's an active part of our life. And then two, that we're active in that prayer life, that we're doing something to get these things met. So I've took, uh, my normal prayer that I pray, uh, you know, in a setting like this, you know, I always like to kind of keep an outline of things. That way I don't get, you know, just blabbering. But certain things that I like to pray for, and then there's things that we add in. And, you know, this is just my normal prayer, and this lesson is entirely for me. So I hope this, this helps you. But things that we pray for, I think, daily, and then see some aspects of it. First thing, I think a lot of us start a prayer off by thanking God for material blessings and that these things never get taken for granted. We thank Him for, you know, our houses and the comfort of our homes and automobiles and all these things. And that, you know, most of the time I add that, Lord, please, you know, let us not take these things for granted. And I think that's a good prayer because each one of us here is blessed far more than what we deserve. But then... As soon as we say amen, 
we start to dwell on things that we don't have. We start looking at things and say, man, I, you know, I want those. And we start thinking about stuff that we can get and we're not happy. And then we mess our priorities up trying to gain more and more. And, you know, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, we just read 6 and 7. In 11 it says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. You know, I always think we've missed the point of that verse is, he says, I've learned. Paul says that this is a trait, a characteristic that, that you have to learn. We're not born as people that just come out and grow up and we're just happy. I think that's something we have to really work at. And we, we pray for these blessings and, you know, things and then ten minutes later it's, boy, I, I sure would like to have that. And then our mind gets to, well, you know, maybe if I can work a little more overtime and, you know, priorities start getting shifted and then trying to gain more and more. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, talks about this very thing. First Timothy chapter 6, beginning of verse 6, <clears throat> says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out, and having food and raiment, let us be content. But they that be rich fall into temptation and a snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil which some have coveted after they have erred themselves through the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's just that, that want thing. And it, it can throw our, our priorities off. Matthew 6 and 33, we, we know what that says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these things shall be added unto you. This first one is kind of a, you know, it's it's not one of the big ones. Some of the big ones are going to come in a minute. But this is just one that, you know, I normally start a prayer off with. You know, and I think a lot of times it just becomes something that I start a prayer off with. And am I really thinking about what God has blessed me with? Or do I want more and more and more? The next one, we normally uh, pray thanking God for spiritual blessings and for spiritual growth. A lot of times in my prayer, I go straight from thanking God for material blessings to, you know, more importantly, thanking Him for spiritual things, for the Bible, for His Son, for His love, His mercy, His grace, uh, for, you know, the ability to, to worship, and all these things that build us and edify us in our spiritual battle. And We pray thanking God for these things. We pray for... More knowledge and more understanding of the truth. Yet a lot of times we don't use these blessings. A lot of times we, we neglect study time. How many of us has prayed for more knowledge and truth and understanding of God's Word and then not open the Bible up to, to study? Uh, how's it going to happen? It's just like trying to to get the yard work done by sitting in the recliner. It's, it's not going to happen. If we want to gain more understanding and we want to gain more knowledge of truth, then we got to put the effort into study. Think of the two parts. God has given us everything we need there. The, the, the scripture, the, you know, the guidance, the, the, the things that we need to, to gain more knowledge of Him. And then we pray, Lord, you know, let us get more knowledge of You. And we, we say Amen and then we don't do nothing about it. Like it's just magically going to 
you know, fill our minds. I think of uh, back in high school, you know, I didn't study much. I tried to avoid it. And, you know, you know you got a test coming up in a couple of days and, you know, you could wing it and maybe pass it. But a lot of times if you wanted to gain knowledge of something, what do you have to do? You have to study. You have to open a book, look at it, read it. You know, take references, you know, look up words that you may not understand and, and you know, apply different things. Alicia's been doing a lot of uh, math the last couple of weeks for her college and I ain't even attempt because she'll spend 45 minutes trying to answer a math question that the answer is there is no answer. And you've, it's confusing. But to pass a test, she's got to study it. But, you know, that's, that's kind of how we think that the Scripture works is we can just set our Bible on the countertop from Sunday to Wednesday and expect to gain more knowledge. That's... It's not going to work. We neglect study time. We neglect prayer time. We get so busy in our lives, we neglect worship time. You know, we, we thank God for the ability to, to come together and to worship with each other and to edify one another and build each other up, sing songs. And, you know, we thank God for this, but then we look for reasons not to come. Or we get so busy and, you know, Wednesday night rolls around and, you know, opportunity to come together and to be built up happens and it's like, you know, I'm just kind of tired. I've had a rough week. Let's just, let's stay home today. Those spiritual blessings that God has given us, or are we making an effort to use them? Spiritual growth, it's, it takes work. Think of it on the physical side. Uh, you know, Go home today, make a list of your ideal weight that you want to be. Then take a picture of some athlete. I've tried this. Post it there. You know, that's what I want to look like. All buffed up and, you know, make out a list of, you know, your weight and your, your, what you need to eat and what you need to stay away from. And, you know, that's where I want to get. And then sit in the recliner and eat potato chips and see what happens. As I said, I've tried it, and it don't work. There's no results. There's no results physically. If you want to, to change your physical appearance and you know get healthy, you got to make changes. you got to quit eating foods and start eating healthy foods and exercise and things. And spiritual growth is the same way. You want to learn more about God and become more knowledgeable of truth, it takes effort. It takes work. The next thing I think we pray a lot for is for the sick, the afflicted, those suffering, those mourning, those who may be dealing with you know hard sicknesses, those who may have lost loved ones recently. We mention them in our prayers. A lot of times we pray that you know they be comforted, that you know they, that they get the words that they need, and then we say Amen and. Nobody contacts them. Nobody checks on them. Nobody visits them. Nobody calls them. Nobody sends cards to them. How are they supposed to receive comfort if there's no action being taken place? We pray for these things, yet we, we, we take no action to help. We take uh, no visits, no calls. You know, it's not... Uh, we get busy. 
There's things that we have to do, but the little phone call and the word of encouragement, you know, those things help people in, in times of need. But if nobody takes the effort to, to do that, then where's that coming from? You know, think of that prayer. Lord, let these people be comforted in times of struggle. And we say amen, and then we go on about our daily lives, busy. And what? It's like we're expecting the person beside us to, you know, and Lord, let so-and-so do that while, he, you know, he's got time. We might as well throw that into the prayer. There's no action, no effort taking place, then people can't be comforted. James chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 17, I think, uh, covers this verse, or covers this topic of, of doing good and, and helping those. <clears throat> James 4 and verse 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. These things we know that I need to be doing. I need to be making these calls, making these visits, making these efforts to comfort those in, in times of need and, and in hardships and in sickness. And I know I need to do it, and if I don't, it's sin. Uh, the same book of James, talking, uh, chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, this is talking about faith without works, but I think it kind of sums this point up. Verse 15 of James chapter 2 says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them the things that they are needful of, what does it profit? I think that verse really nails this point home. You know, if you somebody's hungry and you say, Well, be filled. That don't, that ain't good to eat. You know, that's that ain't doing nothing. If somebody's cold and, you know, struggling and you say, well, be warm, they're still freezing. We have to take time to, to prepare the food or to get a blanket and wrap them or do whatever it, it takes to, to, make, to help them in those times of need. <clears throat> the next thing that I think we pray for a lot is for our homes, our marriage, our children to, to be what God wants them to be. This is a prayer that I say daily, that my marriage be what God wants it to be, that my children grow up to be the kind of people that God wants them to be, that my children grow up to, to obey the truth and to become children of God. I think everyone in here that has children and grandchildren pray this pray, prayer daily. But when it comes to it, we don't allow God to be the foundation of our homes and marriages. Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6, you know, all those verses through there are talking about the way the wives should treat the husband, the way the husbands should treat the wives, and the way the fathers are to be to their children. We neglect to teach our kids about truth, love, and mercy of God. You know, I pray that Journey and Jackson both grow up to be, you know, children of God and obey the truth. But what kind of dad am I if I never bring them to service? Or if I never sit home and teach them the truth and teach them about the love of God and, you know, His mercy? What's, what I expect to happen? I mean, it's kind of, when you really think about it, it's, it's kind of silly to pray this 
prayer of, you know, Lord, please help my kids to to grow up to be what they need to be. You know, amen. And then never have a Bible study with them or teach them about truth. I mean, it's really kind of silly when you think about it. To think that that is going to be the end result. But I think a lot of times we do that. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. Uh, Ephesians 6 and 4 that was just talking about, Bring up your children in in the Lord. We allow things of the world, recreation, to take priority over spiritual things. I think this is something that we struggle with. You know, we're busy. You have jobs, you have school, you have, you know, ball games, and then you have bedtime, and you wake up and you have school and work and ball games and, and homework, and you wake up and it's just a never-ending cycle. And the one thing I think gets put to the side burner the most is the work of the Lord. And that's part of that developing kids and training them up is there's got to be hard decisions made. There's got to be tough decisions when you say, you know what, no. You know, we're going, you know, I know you're playing in the state championship Wednesday night, but we got to go to church. That's where we go because we love the Lord. And those decisions, they're hard to make. But as an adult, the kids see us make those decisions and say, you know what, it's just one Sunday. That, you know, I know the softball game is the same time at church, but it's just one Sunday and it's no big deal, just this one Sunday and then... They see us make that decision. Well, what do you think they're going to do later on when it comes down to worship or something they really want to do? <clears throat> I think we pray a lot that the, the world around us, our neighbors, our family, would hear, obey, would hear and obey the gospel. I think this is brought up in a lot of our prayers. You know, we pray that the world around us would gain knowledge of of Christ and will obey the gospel. Then we say amen, but we let opportunity to teach pass us by. Every day we have opportunity to, to teach one another or to teach someone or to, to help someone to lead them to gospel. And we let those opportunities pass by because it may be difficult. Or maybe our example is not what it needs to be to those around us. So once again, think about the Silliness of that prayer, Lord, let the people around me come to know you. But yet, I don't ever mention you. I don't act like I'm supposed to when I'm around these people. I don't ever take you know time to study with them. How's it going to happen? Once again, God has put everything that we need there in front of us to make this come to be. But what are we doing about it? I always think of when, you know, you talk about teaching an an example of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, verses 20 through 33, when they're in jail there. And it says, you know, you can imagine being chained up in the inner parts of a prison, and your feet's in shackles, your arms are in shackles, and, you know, what are Paul and Silas doing? It says they're, they're praying and singing songs. You know, you had to think the people around them was thinking, these guys are crazy. You know, they've, they've probably been beaten, they've been abused, they've been thrown around, and they're sitting here singing songs of praise to God. But we see that, you know, the Philippian jailer notices something different about them, and 
he wants to, to know more about it, so they teach him the truth and he's baptized. You know, we can be an example in the hardest times. And we can change lives by the way we act in tough situations. You know, they took a situation that was not, you know, there was earthquakes happening, there was things going on around them, and what did they do? They, they taught the gospel and people were baptized. How are we in the world around us? We pray that the world around us knows Jesus. Are we showing them by our example and taking the opportunities to teach them? Just a couple more. I think a lot of times we, towards the end of my prayers and a lot of other prayers I've heard, we, we pray for the forgiveness of sins. We pray that we would overcome temptation. Yet, we put ourselves right back in the same situations to, to fall again. James chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So think, about, think again about this prayer. You know, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Help me to overcome temptation. Amen. And I walk right back into whatever just caused me to fall. Once again, we've, we might have to make tough decisions. We might have to, to change friends, change companions, change who we're hanging around with. Uh, we might have to throw a TV away, cut the cord on the Internet, cut the cord on you know, cell phones. They don't have cords, but you know, throw cell phones away. But we can't... Ask God to, to help us and then put ourselves right back in the same situations. We're going to just, we're going to fall again. <clears throat> we pray for strength to overcome temptation, but we don't use the weapons that God gave us to battle Satan. Ephesians chapter 6, it should be starting in verse 10. I, I wrote the wrong thing there. Josh was supposed to proof it, but he missed it too, I think. We'll blame him. But Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, we have this armor of God, 10 through 18 there of, you know, the, the shield of faith, the loins girded about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, we think of this person going into battle. Peter tells us that you know Satan is our enemy; that he walks around just seeking whom he may devour. You know that's who we that's who we battle with. So we pray that we can overcome temptation. We know we're going to face temptation, but yet we don't get ourselves ready for battle. We just walk right into these fiery rings, knowing that we're not prepared. We're setting ourselves up for for failure. Once again, God has given us everything we need to. To overcome this battle, but what are we doing about it? Finally, I think my prayer and probably everyone in here's prayer, at the end of most prayers, we pray for a home in heaven. I don't think we've very few prayers have I ever heard, no matter what the occasion, no matter what the what's going on that don't end with Lord. We pray that in the end we can be with you. I think that's how we. We close most prayers. I think that that's probably the prayer of everyone in here. You wouldn't be here this morning. That's, you want to go to heaven. But we pray that prayer 
yet we refuse to do what is necessary to get there. Whether it's being baptized for the, you know, the remission of your sins, becoming a child of God for the, you know, the first time. Whether it's uh, repentance, if we've been a child of God, but we've erred from the truth and we, we've set ourselves up in those bad situations and we've fallen, we, we, we ask for repentance. It's our prayer to, to go to heaven, but what are we doing to get there? Are we making the changes? Are we making the, the steps to, to get there? Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses there. He's talking about the doing what it takes. Verse 12, chapter 12, verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. If we want to get to heaven, then we're going to have to make decisions. We're going to have to make changes. We're going to have to obey God. We're going to have to put sin off and you know things that... Cause us to fall, we're going to have to stay away from them. We want to go to heaven, but what are we doing to actually get there? Are we just you know, sitting by hoping that we can catch a coattail of somebody and, and be pulled in there? Or what are we doing to get to ourselves? The, the quote that I've seen that I think applies to this says, It's not about how bad you want it, it's about how hard you're working, willing to work to get it. These requests in Philippians that we've read, that we make our requests made known to God. What are we doing to, to accomplish these things? Once again, the, the last thing that you know, I think we close the lesson on is have an active prayer life, but be active in our prayer life. And that's two separate things. Praying every day for these things. Praying for whatever things we need to pray for, but it's after the amen actually doing something to accomplish them and not just sitting by and hoping that you know God's going to do it. Because His part's going to be taken care of, guaranteed. Every time, God's going to do His part. But are we doing that? If you're subject to the gospel in any way, please come as we stand and as we sing.